So funny story. We had that youth encounter this weekend. I'm tired. I'm just going to tell you that. I'm tired. I knew I was going to be tired. I got a little bit of a sinus thing going on. Don't judge me. <coughs> Although I was feeling like during worship, I was like hitting notes that I can't normally hit because of the sinus thing. I was like, hallelujah. Like, that's cool. But I get up early this morning, and I'm just like looking over my notes and things like that. And my wife, being the amazing wife that she is, she was like, oh, babe, like let me get you some Alka-Seltzer or something to help clear things up. So I'm like drinking that. And then she goes off to go get ready, start the day, taking care of her six-month-old. And... And I'm like, I'm sitting on the couch looking at my notes, and I'm like, like, I can't keep my head up. Like, I'm like falling asleep. And I'm like, I knew I was going to be tired today, but I've been up for hours. Like, how come my mind isn't, like, waking up? And then I look at the package, and she had accidentally given us the nighttime drowsy. <laughs> she feels so bad. I'm like, you know what, babe? It's really poetic of all Sundays for it to happen. Like, this is the one. So this is my second large coffee with extra shots of espresso, and... If anything, I was talking with Chase. We know that doctors recommend that depressants and boosters are really good mixed together, right? (laughs) But I've pushed past the drowsiness, and now I can smell color. So that's fun. (laughs) So give me some grace, which is appropriate because today I'm talking about the fragrance of a disciple. So we're saying less and less of me, Lord, and more and more of you. Amen? It's so good. It's just, it's hilarious that it happened. But the fragrance of a disciple. Um, What's the series we've been in? Drop the nets. So good. Drop the nets. When I think of dropping the nets, every time pastor says that, I always think of two examples of dropping the nets. It's the same and different. <laughs> Dropping the nets. I want to I go into those. Let's first, let's go to Mark 1.17. You may recognize this from your own reading and because pastor has already gone here. Mark 1.17, dropping the nets. And Jesus said to them, you remember this? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You will become a fisher of men. I will make you this. What did they do? They dropped the nets immediately and started following him, which is really crazy if you think about it. That takes some faith. This is your livelihood. This is who, but they did it. They dropped the nets and they started following him, a.k.a. let it go. Not going to start singing the song, don't do it. That already happened this weekend at our youth encounter. We need to let go. You want to hear that nasally voice right now? They let go of the things that God told them to let go of. That is good. That can be very hard. And I believe there are a lot of us in this room that are holding on to the things that God has told us to let go of. We'll get there. But that is an important thing, letting go. See, this amazing thing happens when we receive Jesus as our Savior, we become lighter, right? When, when the guilt and the sin, the burden of the things that weigh us down, like w- when you get saved, you experience Jesus or refreshment or like this encounter we just talked about, it's seriously like weights being dropped off of your back, your shoulders, and you're just like, oh, I'm just like floating. Like, it's amazing. 
But there are things that we don't let go of and we're not obedient to God. It's like we're holding on to down here. And God's like, yeah, you can come up here. And I'm like, I'm not going to let this thing go. And you hold on to that net and God's like, I'm not keeping you down there. You're keeping you down there. There is great potential for us as believers to do incredible things. And it requires obedience. Which goes into my next point. The other thing that I think about when I think about drop the nets is a different example. Luke 5, 4 through 6. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Drop the nets. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, we will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. Bible says their boats were starting to sink. The catch was just unfathomable. AKA be obedient to God. This is a different type of dropping the nets. See, there are things that we're supposed to let go of that God wants us to release, but then there are things that we're supposed to hold on to, God tells us to do that we don't always do. That's a different type of sin in our life. That's a different type of disobedience, but it's the same. This really starts getting into our faith. Do we believe God is who he says he is? Do we believe he has what's best in mind for me? Do I really trust that he's my provider, my healer, Lord, master? Drop the nets. We need to be obedient. What I really appreciate is Peter's vulnerability here, and I think it's one of the best things ever. Uh, just so you know, Jesus, we've been doing this all night. <laughs> Nothing. Nada. We haven't caught anything. And you want me to just put my nets down right here? Okay, but I just want to tell you. <laughs> like This is where I'm at. I appreciate this because one of the most vulnerable, best times I've ever had with the Lord. And this is so good because it's all about relationship. Relationship with Jesus, relationship with each other, relationship, relationship, relationship. We want to be a disciple, and we want to be a disciple maker, relationship. I was having a really hard time of prayer in my life when I was a young man, uh, early walk with the Lord. And I was just like, I, with prayer, I was like, God already knows everything. I believe he is omniscient, omnipresent. I, he's all-powerful, all-knowing, and he's everywhere. So what am I going to tell him that he doesn't already know? What's really the point of this? Some of you have been there. But I was completely missing the point. And I had finally been so broken in my life. Things were still not working. I was a Christian, and I was so broken. Some of you are so there right now. You are a mess. You believe in God. You've received the cross and salvation. You know that's true, but your life is still a mess. I've been there. I've been there. I, find my, I close the door to my room. I put my face in the carpet. I'm making, like, a perfect, like, corner angle from the corner of my room. It was, like, 90 degree. No, 45 degree angle. Sorry. Math. <clears throat> Straight out. I mean, face in the carpet. You, you would have been freaked out if you saw where I was. If you opened the door, you also would have hit my head because that's right where I was at. And I'm just crying. I've just got my face in the carpet, and I'm finally like, okay, God, let's do this. And I'm telling God what's going on in my life. 
and it was just the most real I've ever been to him. And I had a revelation. It wasn't about me telling him things that he knew or didn't know. He's a good father who wants to, us to come to him. I was able to tell him, like, God, this is what I'm struggling with. This is a problem. God, I know this is wrong in my life, but this is where I'm at, and if it's going to change, you have to do something about it. I was just vulnerable. I was just real with him, and it was one of the best 45 minutes I've ever spent in my life, and I had breakthrough in my life from then on out. Fast forward many years later, when I have a good prayer life and things like that, becoming a dad just changes you messes with you. And I've told a bunch of you this already. I don't care. I'm going to do it again. Uriah comes up to me and he's talking. You just need to get this in your heart so you understand God. He had just barely learned how to walk. He doesn't know how to talk. And he's like, he's like trying to show me something happened bad in the living room. Like whatever. And I'm like, tell me what's going on. It's funny because at this point in his life, Uriah's whole world exists in the living room. That is the entire scope of his reality, his existence. There is nothing that Uriah could tell me or show me that is going to catch me off guard. You understand where I'm going with this? Nothing surprises the Lord. He's not taken back by anything that's happening. I loved so much Uriah just coming and talking to me that he wanted to tell me. I'm just like, tell me more. Tell me more. I want to hear it. Oh, you want to show me? Show me this thing. And that's exactly how God delights in who we are. It is less about you revealing something to God that he doesn't know. (gasps) Oh, no, you did what? God's like, I know. I'm in the past and I'm in the future. I already know how this ends. I care about your heart. The journey is what he loves. Is your heart mine or not? It was breakthrough. It, It changes everything. I, I, there's nothing Uriah could show me. I just love that he wanted me apart. I'm in his world. And this is how God feels about us. When Peter's like, God, I've been doing this a long time, but sure, I'll do it. I can appreciate it. We just don't stay there. And God wants to do things in our life to help us not stay there. We just have to trust him. You just have to put the nets down. Right? Drop those nets in the water and watch what God's going to do in your life. Let me ask you a question. What do you smell like? Aaron, that is a weird, intrusive question, and it's none of your business. <laughs> it's Calvin Klein. What? I don't. What do you smell like? Jesus told them to drop their nets and walk away, right? Can I tell you that fishermen smell like fishermen? <laughs> Covering from southern Louisiana, living very close to a lot of fishermen, um, there was the Mississippi River and the Gulf right there. I had some people who did some work on the river for a while. There was some shrimping boats and things like that, and I would go hang out with them after they got done with their shift or something like that. And I'm like, maybe let's hang out after you go take a shower because you smell like a fisherman. Funky. My point is this, in your life, you can say you're doing something, you could say you have either picked up or dropped the things that you were supposed to pick up or drop, but the smell is going to tell the story. Last week, Andrew talked about what? Come on, what? Mission. 
in your life, yours, take responsibility for it, your own life. This is what I love about youth ministry is it's in a time and a season of their world where they're stopping being little kids and they're taking responsibility. The ones that are getting it are the ones that are being like, I'm going to do things without mom and dad telling me. That's a, that's a sign that you're getting it. They're, they're owning it. Come on, if, if a kid takes out the garbage without you telling him to take out the garbage, oh, my God. If I would have went down just now, I wasn't getting up. I'm going to tell you that right now. I, the, the, the smell, you take responsibility for your life. You have a mission, and this thing is this. Your, your mission is not to sit in these chairs on Sunday mornings. That is not the epitome of our faith. That is not what God has called us to. That is a very small part of it. There are missions that we all have. The smell is very important. You can say that peace is a part of what's going on. God wants you to drop the nets and pick up all this fruit of the Spirit, all the fruit of the people. But, like, what do you smell like to your coworkers? What do you smell like to your family? Oh, I smell like peace. Yeah, does everyone else think you smell like stress? Do you come across as joy-filled to people or angry, mean, self-centered? Are you going the direction God has called you to go? We all have things that we're supposed to be dropping and things that we're supposed to pick up, and no one else is going to do it. You have to take responsibility for that. I happen to smell like seventh graders. Ew. (laughs) Sweaty high schoolers. But you know what? It doesn't bother me because that's my mission. Hey, that's good. That's my mission. That's what I'm called to do, and there is grace for me to do that. There is grace for me to do that. What are you supposed to be smelling like? Such a funny question. Don't smell your neighbor. I said, don't smell your neighbor. But we know this is a spiritual thing, right? I was actually glad my nose was stuffed for most of this weekend. It's so funny when we look at God and he tells us to drop our nets and he does something incredible that you don't understand. It didn't make sense that all those fish were right there when Jesus did it. Can I tell you something? God is better at everything than you are. God knows everything that you don't. And for us to honestly think that we know better than he does tells me that there is a perception issue of our relationship with God. It means you don't really think God is God. You think he's a nice guy and you appreciate having him around, but he's not Lord. Drop your nets, as in letting things go and being obedient and picking things up. That's going to affect your smell. Your mission. Your mission. We have missions that are short-term missions. We have missions that are long-term missions. The great mission, the great commission, that's something that we're all supposed to be a part of. Now, here's the thing. Your story's going to look different than mine. And I'm, I'm sorry that some things are going to be difficult for you. I'm sorry that I don't have all the answers for you and that I can't give you those answers. Because here's the thing. 
it's important that we all have different missions. You are not called to do the same exact thing that I'm doing, nor I you. This is why you have to take responsibility for that. Because there are people that you're going to affect and touch that I never will be able to. Let's talk about smell. <coughs> Second Corinthians 14 through 17 says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. That's a nice picture, right? The fragrance drifting through everywhere. I could just see it. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of, God, of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Amen. I want to tell you something. This might be kind of nice, cool little analogy for you or something like that, but what you don't know when Paul is speaking this to these people, this paints a very um, bleak picture to them. Uh, who's in charge right now when Paul's writing the scripture? Do you know? Who's running the show? A certain government. Rome. The Romans. What do we know about Romans? We know quite a few things. They impose their will. Right? They conquered Israel. They conquered a lot of people's homes. Who's seen Gladiator? You may have disagreements, whatever. We can argue about it later. I love that movie. <clears throat> and I just picture Maximus. In the very beginning of that movie, they show a battle scene where the Romans are conquering a barbarian horde. Let me tell you what happens after they conquer a new enemy like that. The Romans would take a large portion of the survivors, and they would go home. And any time they had a new victory like that, they loved showing it off in the capital at home. So Maximus, is general, and all of his mighty legion are coming home, and they're marching through the streets. And just imagine old Roman architecture building city, and it's like flower petals going all over everywhere in the air. People are cheering, and there's just this fragrance in the air because there was a certain incense that they used whenever victory happened, and they were having one of these actual triumphal processions. These things happened. Victory, Maximus, Maximus, Caesar, Caesar, Rome, Rome. They loved it. They were so proud. It was amazing. And there were two groups of survivors. There was a whole group of survivors from the tribe that they just conquered, that they just annihilated, and they were saying, you are now a part of Rome. Your life has been spared. Maybe you'll be a slave. Maybe you'll be a servant. Maybe we're just going to let you be a citizen. You're going to get our culture. You're going to get indoctrinated with who we are. Maybe we'll take some of the things that you like and bring it in and mix it into our own, but, like, you're welcome. <laughs> welcome to Rome. But then there was a whole, the other half of the survivors at the back of the procession in chains. You know why they were there, right? Come on. You know. Why were they there? They were going to die. They were only spared that little bit of time so that they could be executed in front of the Romans in Rome. 
hey, look at this king, <laughs> a king. <laughs> We're going to kill him for you to see, for the glory of Rome. What Paul is talking about here, that smell of incense and aroma, to one group of these survivors was such a good smell. Thank you that we are being spared. We should have been killed with the rest of our people, but I'm not. To the other group, that smell only reminded them that they are about to be executed. That paints this Bible verse in a little bit of a different picture, doesn't it? When he says, to some we smell like life and to others we smell like death, he is not kidding. To those who have been saved, they understand, Christian to Christian, someone who's experienced the grace and mercy of God, have had a revelation of the cross of Jesus Christ. This is good. I like the way you smell. We smell the same. That's a good smell. We're going to the same place together. And then there are other people, like when I worked at Buffalo Wild Wings, who do not know God, did not love Christ. I was perfectly pleasant. I'm just going to tell you this. I was a good employee. I wasn't rude. I worked hard. I was just filled with joy. I listened to my management. I did a good job. I just, I had a good attitude, General, but it didn't matter. There was a couple of people there that just couldn't stand me. And I know it was because I'm reminding you, just me being here, being a perfectly pleasant individual says, you're going to hell. I love Jesus, and I've given my life to him because he's the only way to experience life. But you keep living the way you're living, and this is the only way you go. It's easier for them when we're not there. Atheists, evolutionists, they really need evolution to be true because if it isn't, something inside of them is telling them, I'm going to burn. They need that to be true. We are life to those who are living. We are a reminder of death to those who are dying. Hopefully to the point of which they give their life to Christ. That's what we want. I want to ask you, what do you smell like? How do you smell? It's amazing. Pastor Keith uh, Tusi, another one of our presbyters, did an amazing teaching on the nature of salt um, in Orlando recently. I got to be there, be a part of that. He talked about salt and light. Let's read Matthew 5, 13 through 16. <clears throat> he says, you are the salt of the earth, but salt has lost its taste. How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Kind of a brutal picture. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill. It cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. But that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That is so good. That they may see your good works and give glory to God in heaven. Salt is good on the tongue. What are french fries without salt? Garbage. Salt is bad for you, the sodium, your heart. Okay, just don't eat french fries then. They need salt. Food without salt is just not the same. But watch your sodium, seriously. <clears throat> salt, the same salt that tastes good on your tongue, how does it feel when it gets in a wound? 
Now, let me tell you something. This is so good. And Pastor Keith said this. I couldn't believe it. I've never heard it before. It's the same salt. The nature of the salt has not changed. The salt that is good on the tongue and the salt that stings in the wound is the same thing. You, as Christians, do not have the freedom to choose to be a different kind of salt. You, do not, you have not been given that liberty. And in fact, when you choose to not be salty everywhere, God says, you're not any good to me anymore. You're only good to be trampled on. Maybe you can help people not slip outside Chick-fil-A. Now, what I'm not saying is you have a license to be a jerk. That's not the smell of life. That's, that's the smell of sin. But I'm saying you have got to be the same salt. You have got to smell the same everywhere you go, even if it's going to make people upset or ruffle some feathers. What is your mission, disciples? Are you a disciple? Or are you just a churchgoer? There is more to it than that. I want to drop the nets everywhere I go. It's a daily thing. There's a reminder. I have to, every day I need to drop something. Every day I need to pick something up. Sometimes you just need to wake up, look in the mirror at yourself, and just say, die. I had a t-shirt that I liked. Maybe it's not for everybody. I understand if it makes you uncomfortable, but it had a big skull on it. And it said above it, carry forth the truth even unto, and it was saying, death. I love that. That just that kind of stuff just like jacks me up. Just like even if it's gonna kill me, I'm not gonna compromise. I'm gonna carry forth that my mission has been given to me. No one can take it from me. I've never been more alive than when I'm doing the things that God has called me to do. And some of it's gonna be really hard, but that's part of the journey. I mean, really, what is the other option here? What else are you gonna do? You're gonna keep not dropping the nets? Are, are you happy with just staying the way you are? Because then I can tell you right now, I, I would really challenge your theology and your faith. I would really challenge how much you love God. I would really challenge how much of a revelation of the cross that you had. Man, when we do the cross session on the encounter and you see Jesus get beat and you see him get crucified when you're holding the nail in your hand and you put it in the cross yourself to remember it was your sin, like... You have to make a decision there. I, I own this or I don't. Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could have a halfway life. What do you smell like? We can take this death and life smell all over the place. There's two different types of death, good death, bad death. We need to die every day. The more I die to myself, the more Christ lives in me. Amen? That's good. Now, there is death inside of us that is not good, and I'm talking about that sinful death, that stuff that you hide in your closet that you don't want to get rid of, that rotting thing in there, and it is making a stench, and you are not going to be able to hide that forever. We have got to give it to Jesus. We have got to be willing to let these things go. Are you smelling like Jesus to people who are around you? We really need to analyze ourselves. There's going to be a mixture of fragrances that are going to play a, a part in our life. Sometimes we've got lots of really good things, but we've got one really bad thing that we try to cover the smell with. But I did this, and I did this, and I got this, and I'm really good at this. 
yeah, but <laughs> but you're still addicted to porn. Like that's you you can only have so much of a good smell. Like that thing's got to go. You've got to deal with that. You still get so angry at the drop of a hat. You still have no faith to do this with your kids. You still have uh, you tell me what that stench is. You, you tell me what smells like life and what smells like death. And if you don't know, well, that in itself is a problem. But number two, if you don't know, why don't you start asking people around you? Husbands, ask your wives what you smell like. I had to stop in the grocery store the other day with my wife because there was something not right in my heart. And it just couldn't go on anymore. And we had to, I was just like, we just have to stop and deal with this right now. She had to confront me on some things. I'm like, you're right. This is a bad attitude. I don't know where this thing came from. I don't know what's happening. But I had to deal with it right there because I don't want to keep that thing right there. It, it's a, this is a spiritual thing. This goes so much beyond your physical nasal cavities. I'm telling you, your spirit person and other people around you are going to smell the things coming off of you. And it's not perfection that God demands. He understands you're an imperfect human being, but it's the heart. Come on. When you're going on this mission, have you received the things God has laid before you? Are you walking the direction? Are you smelling how you should smell? And one of my final points. In the scripture, back in 2 Corinthians, he says we are not cheap peddlers of the gospel. A peddler of the gospel. That's not who God's called us to be. I looked up that word in the Greek, kapileu, kapileu. I'm not Greek, I'm sorry. Kapileu. Its root is connected to kapilos or something like that, which is, the, uh, the original Greek word, but it's turned into kapileu, which means corrupting for personal gain. Small-time merchant. There's nothing small-time about us. Does corrupting for personal gain sound like a Christian? No. And then to trade. That's the most innocent one, to trade. But even when I read to trade, the Lord told me that's wrong. To trade? The only thing that we are ever supposed to trade is our weakness, is our our lack, our sin, we, we trade that for the gifts that God has given us for the life in Christ Jesus. When we look at Luke 9.3, he says, and you, you can just write that down. We're not going to read that. But in Luke 9.3, Jesus is sending out disciples, and he says, you're not going to take a staff with you, no walking stick. Don't take a bag. No bread. You're not bringing food with you. No money. You're not going to buy anything or even two tunics. You're not even going to bring a change of clothes. Just go. I can't even have a carry-on, Jesus. But I believe he was intentionally saying, like, you need to know that I am enough for you. You need to know that on your mission, I am enough for you. You personally are going to grow, and then the people that you're ministering to are going to experience life while you do it because they see that faith inside of you. And then again in Matthew 10, 8, He says, you're going to heal the sick, you're going to raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. We need to be doing some spiritual things with our life. If every part of your faith is physical, 
If every part of your faith is just like making yourself feel good for being in church, having a good conversation every once in a while, like we need to be praying for people. There needs to be a spiritual faith aspect to our religion. But we're supposed to be doing those things. And at the end of that scripture, he says, for freely you have what? Freely you have received, so freely give without pay. There's no trade happening here. There's nothing that I'm doing that promotes myself. There's no word that I'm giving. There's nothing. It's all about like, God, I want to lay down what I have. So the revelation of the cross says, I go to hell. I deserve it. I deserve hell. But God has saved me. And because of this revelation, I want to give him everything that I have. Rather than trying to see how close to the line I could skirt, It's more like, why would I even want to get anywhere near that? I love God because of what he's done for me, and me giving him my life doesn't even come close to paying the debt that I owe, but he says, that's great, I'll take it. Follow me. And even after that, he keeps giving me amazing gifts. He keeps giving me life. He keeps giving me purpose. He keeps giving me joy. I have so much to be thankful for. I read something that said uh, the human life only lasts 30 to 60 seconds, and every time we take a breath, we hit the reset button. I'll keep you up at night. Is this my last breath? <gasps> Don't have a panic attack. We have paper bags in the back if you need to breathe in one of those. <laughs> but seriously, though, I can breathe because God put his life inside of me. Are you with me? That is good news. I want to give him everything that I have. I want to find my mission. I want to smell like a disciple. I don't want to smell like the world. I don't want death inside of me. I don't want to be that. I want to be salt and light. Amen? So stand up. Here's what I want to do. They're going to play a song for us. There will be some people to pray for you if you need prayer. But really what I want you to do is just surrender yourself. Surrender. Surrender up here if you need to. Surrender yourself to God. Let's make this so real. Real, real, real. I want real. I want a real experience with Jesus. I want to be real with my walk. Father, we pray right now, God. Man, I had this revelation earlier. You know that if you smell something long enough, you get used to it and you become numb to it. Other people will walk into the room and they'll smell it and you'll be like, you don't smell that? You know what I'm talking about? Come on, there is sin, there is other things in our lives that we become numb to the smell. God, reveal those things to us. Show us those things, those fragrances, those stenches, God, that we've just become numb to, Lord. We want to deal with that stuff. We want to get that that nastiness out of our life, God. I thank you, Lord, that you have amazing things for us to pull up in the nets, God. There's a harvest, Lord, a harvest of souls, There are spiritual gifts. There are things, God, that you want us to represent for you, Jesus. As we're dropping the nets, God, help us to let go of the things that we need to let go of, God. And help us to pull up the things that you want us to hold on to, Jesus. We trust you, God. And your nature, God, your character, it's so life-giving, God. It's so restorative, God. I pray against any condemnation and guilt, Lord. Conviction is good, but not guilt, not condemnation. 
I thank you for your grace and your mercy. And right now, God, as we're figuring out our mission and we're chasing discipleship, Lord, that you would just help us to be a sweet fragrance, an aroma, God, to your nostrils that pleases you and what you've done for us, Lord. We want to smell like life. Give us that good fragrance, Lord. We love you, Jesus, and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.